Give me the flats at dawn with plenty of tailing fish. And the perfect fly rod. Yeah. And get ready for some magic. Awesome eat. I got one. Oh, damn, I got him. You got it. I got him. Join Bonefish and Tarpon Trust. Nice fish. And help make sure that the magic never ends. Visit tarbone.org to find out how you can help. There you have it, real music. That's what I want to hear. I haven't heard it in a while. It's been a long time for me. Kind of jonesing. Welcome to the Monday Night Kickoff Show. I'm your host, Charles Levi, also known as Redfish Chuck. Joining me, as always, the one, the only, Mr. Pepe Vidal. What's up? Good evening, everybody. Nice Monday night. Indeed, indeed. The, the temperatures outside were actually kind of nice, man. Have you been outside at all this evening? Uh, yeah, I was, but unfortunately, it didn't feel that nice to me because I was stuck in the in the back in the transom of my boat in the back in those holes back in there trying to try messing with some wires back in there and I was sweating my butt off so <laughs> it didn't feel yeah. that it didn't feel that nice to me <laughs> <laughs> well we have a bit of a cool down coming uh I say cool down because it's not going to be 90 plus degrees it'll get down in the 80s for a high throughout this week and uh, looking forward to that. We're wishing we can get some of that northern weather. Some states are down in the 30s, down in the 50s already. Would not hurt my feelings to get down in the 50s. Yeah, I'm pretty much over summer. Summer, you can you can go home, you're drunk. Like, go away. So, uh, what a weekend, man. We had a great, great weekend. Uh, the HelpEmilyNow.org tournament went off without a hitch. There it could be outfitters and kayaks by bow. I believe there was 139 registered uh, anglers. I believe I'm pretty sure that was number 139. And uh, of that, uh, quite a few people brought back in some fish. Um, our, our 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 buddy Steve Gibson, Steve M. Gibson from over on the West Coast, won the tournament with uh, with a, with a nice group of fish. Uh, Justin Ritchie took home uh, big redfish honors. Uh, Randy English took home second place redfish. Um, what other notables? I mean, I'm, I'm, I forgive me if I don't remember, but um, Steve Gibson. Actual- Steve Gibson also. Yeah, Steve Gibson also took uh, biggest trout. Um, and Alex's son won the junior oh, that's angler. Right. Yeah, Logan Logan Brisky took home the youth angler prize with uh, oh. over 90 inches of fish. Uh, which yep. was really, really impressive. Um, Logan outfished almost all of the adults, or pretty much all of the adults except for a couple. So kudos to kudos to Logan on that one. Um, yep. And and the other one, woman angler, was Captain Tyler Romer's uh, fiance. That's right. That's right. Yep. Um, so there you go. So. Hey, changing of the guards, so to speak, in a in a in a kayak slash paddle tournament for a woman's division prize. Because I think Dee Kaminsky had won that particular prize 
two two years in a row, I believe, in that tournament. And uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Caitlin come along and and put it down. So awesome. There you go. And I know that uh, there were a lot of other winners there, but I mean the real winner in this whole ordeal was uh, Emily. Uh, the Rouses were able to raise over nine thousand dollars to help keep her in her school, which is fantastic. Um. Yeah, it was a good time to have the all. The captain's meeting went off. It was just it was a blast. I think everybody who came out for the captain's meeting had a good time. There are people hanging out on the porch, hanging out on the sidewalk, hanging out behind the shop, hanging out you know inside the shop. It was it was a, it was a great weekend, man. It really was. And uh, the fishing was good for some and hard for others. And uh, let's see, hang on a second. I got something here. One sec. Hold on. So. The question is, did Harry Good's Outdoor Shop, who called out KBB Outfitters, beat KBB Outfitters? And the answer? Uh Nope. (laughs) Come on, dude. You knew I had to tonight. We didn't. We we wanted to take it easy, you know. We said, ah, yeah. let, them, let them have it, you know. Let them have it. <laughs> That's what I heard. That's what I heard while I was standing at the at the check-in, waiting for, with anticipation for this come down to the wire friendly competition. <laughs> And instead, this is, instead, this is what I got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was fun. Oh, it was good, man. man. We raised what we raised. We raised an additional, uh, well, between three teams, we raised an additional 150 bucks mm-hmm. or so for for Emily. Yeah. So that that that's awesome, man. That's good stuff. So, uh, karma all the way around. Um, those of you that, are, that follow me on Facebook or friends with me on Facebook, you know what this week is leading up to or this week coming, or I guess this week now, is uh, mitochondrial disease awareness week. And uh, my son, Logan, has said mitochondrial disorder. And uh, we are going to be planning an event for next year where we will be raising money for that foundation. Again, we will be raising money for the foundation. Uh, The mitochondrial, uh, what is it, the United Mitochondrial Disease Foundation. Um, So, there you go. Uh, Have your your, uh, ears peeled and eyes peeled on social media for that because I'm, I'm here to tell you, already watching the the list of uh, donated auction items, I, 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 dude, I don't I don't know how I'm not going to be able to want to donate, like try to win some of these auction items. There's yeah. trips with captains that I would kill myself to fish with, <laughs> not literally, but <laughs> I'd probably give up at least an arm to fish with some of these dudes, and. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna post anything yet. We're way too far out for that. But 
really, really excited. Um, thank you so much for all the outpouring of support. Happy you, you too, man. I appreciate the thoughts and prayers. Um, I just want to really wait, uh, raise awareness of uh, mitochondrial disease. Um, you know, and by posting what I posted last night, actually, I, I, I was uh, introduced to a young couple from over in Oviedo that also have a child who has uh, the disease, and uh, we've been chit-chatting back and forth on Facebook, and she's answered some questions for me that I didn't think that I would be able to find from anywhere else. So that was really, really cool. I really appreciate that. And that was uh, Marcella's cousin from um, Elusive Tales. She she connected the, the dots for us, so we really, really appreciate that. But, yeah, look forward and to it. Go ahead. Let, let me ask, how, how old is, her, how old is uh, her child? Her child is two. Her child's two oh, years okay. old, and I believe at, at, don't quote me, I believe at either eight weeks or eight months, I think eight weeks or eight months had a heart transplant. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So, yeah, so um, from, what she's, from what she told me about her daughter, it sounds like, um, with the exception of the heart transplant, it sounds like a lot of the same uh, things that we noticed with Logan so, you know, with the thing about mitochondrial disease is it's it just it spreads such a wide gamut. Um, there's really no way to uh, to button down. Well, that's not true. There's now a way to button down exactly what it is that you have uh, as far as what, what variation of the disease you have. And um, we're in the process of that now. Just my wife, Jessica, and I have uh, given blood. Um, along with Logan to have some DNA testing done and, uh, you know, see what we can find out. But um, definitely appreciate, again, all the outpouring of support. It, it means the world to us and uh, to all of those who jumped up and said, hey, we're, we're, we're on board, whatever it is you need, let us know. Folks, if you followed me at all, if you followed me at all throughout the last couple of years, you know what I'm capable of when it comes to putting together something like, let's just say, for instance, I don't know, a boondoggle. Well, uh, the raffle that I put together for that, I'm going to try and destroy that and, uh, and make this the biggest event of the year. Um, it's going to be a kayak fishing tournament of sorts. Uh, I may even add a boat side of it to it just to try and get some more people involved. Um, I would really, really like to just get, again, get awareness out there of what this disease is all about because there's actually a lot of grown adults wandering around right now that probably have it and just don't know it. Uh, they don't know the signs and symptoms of, of what mitochondrial disease can do to your body. So if you don't mind, take a second and, uh, you know, jump on board to the uh, United Mitochondrial Disease Foundation's website. And read up on it just a little bit. It's a very little. There's very little known about the disease um, in the general public. It's not one that you hear a lot about. But um, on average, each year more children die from mitochondrial disease than they do from childhood cancers. So something to seriously uh, look at and just kind of you know read up on. I would definitely appreciate that. But on a brighter note. <laughs> On a brighter note, uh, today was a fantastic day in the world of uh, of, of me. I, I went. I did a little did a little drive around Brevard County today, and uh, just wanted to go and talk to some shop owners and some uh, 
some other business owners and stuff and reconnect with some folks that I haven't seen in a while or stop and check out businesses that I have not seen since they have literally exploded into giant, 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 giant facilities. Um, We'll we'll just talk about it. A couple weeks ago we had a guest on, and uh, Mr. Randy English was lucky enough to win the prize pack given away by said guest. Uh, I drove down and saw the folks at C-Deck today, and let me tell you, when you when you think of growth in a business, you think of growth in a business, you think, okay, it's going to take some time. It's going to take a lot of time to, to really explode into something that's just like, you know, epic proportions. If, you, if any of you guys know the old C-Deck facility, the new facility, you can put probably like, I don't know, Peppy, what, 20 of the old buildings on the property oh, yeah. of the new one? Yeah, at least. Exactly. I think the – yeah, did did they tell you the square footage of the new one? Did you, they did, but did they, you get did, the but they did, but I forgot yeah, what it was. It's ridiculous. I think the old one was something like 7,000 square foot is what it is. The new one is like 70,000 square foot. <laughs> Under air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, under air. <clears throat> Listen, they, they had they had a, a beautiful ski boat in there, and they had a big pontoon boat in there in the one bay. And, dude, it looked like they were, they were like tinker toys. <laughs> you have enough – there's enough room in one of those bays where you can literally put – if it was even possible, but you could put a 65-foot sports fisherman, probably, oh, yeah. a 30, probably a 36-foot yellowfin, a couple of flats boats, a couple of jet skis, and a few kayaks in one room. It's crazy. Yep. And it's not like they're just empty rooms. Every room is packed full of material and packed full of machinery. They've got like seven or eight CNC machines right now. Um it was just really incredible, and and you know what? I'm I'm so happy for those folks. They're they are such good people. They're always willing to help out with any event that we have going on. Jason's a super cool dude. He's really good, you know, really good friends of Peppy and I's and Alan's and Randy's and a bunch of other people too. And uh, but man, to see to see the growth from one, you know, just a few months to where it's at now, it's crazy. And uh, not to mention the fact that they're now employing like 70-something, I think they have 70 employees, or I know it's over 50 employees. It's crazy. But they have like 20 or 30 employees at the last place. So they've, they've doubled their workforce. I walked through the CAD room, dude, where they've got all their computers set up for, for CAD, and there must have been six or seven dudes sitting at computers putting together kits, like putting, you know, designing yeah. new kits and stuff. It's it's absolutely insane, and uh, I didn't get to see uh, didn't get to see our boy there. Um, unfortunately, he's out of town. He's up in uh, Maine or somewhere. And uh, but his wife, his lovely wife, was able to give me a a tour. I appreciate that very much. And uh, yeah, I was blown away. Crazy. Yep. And I I gotta give it for uh, actually if, if the people who don't know. Um, this coming weekend um, is the Florida Pro Redfish Series, the Powerpole Florida Pro Redfish Series, which is uh, it's a boat tournament. 
Alan and I fished the first one. We're fishing this one again this weekend, and actually, we are Team Sea Deck this coming weekend. We are fishing under Sea Deck this weekend. Yeah, so I actually need to pass by the factory and pick up a few shirts, and I have to pick up a few few things that they wanted to give us for the tournament also. So, yeah, but Sea Deck, we're actually going as Team Sea Deck, so that'll be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yep. That'd be cool when me, and, when me and Alex take your money. That's cool. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't think we're going to be able to fish it. But anyway, no, that's awesome, man. No, and you know what? The thing about it is it's just it's local business. It's a local business helping out local fishermen. And, you know, that's what the show – that's what I really want the show to be all about. Same thing as my, as my store. I want my store and my show to be all about local – you know, what's latest and greatest, what's going on, you know, that kind of thing. Same thing with the shop. So it's 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 all it's all good, man. It's all good stuff. But let's see real quick, uh, before we go any further into the show, we've got a few people there in the chat room tonight. We got uh Bob Hutton in there. We got uh, a couple guests. Guests, if you want to log into the chat room, you can always do so by using either your Facebook account or your Twitter account. Feel free to uh to do that and you can get in there into the chat room and chit-chat with the likes of um, Mr. Wade Howell and Mike Welsh and Randy in English, and uh, there you go. So that's pretty awesome. Um, if, you, if you're catching the show a little bit late or if you're, if you're not going to catch the show at all and you hear, or your buddy hears this or someone hears this, they can tell you about it, you can always listen to the, all of our programming uh, by way of uh, iTunes. It's free download on iTunes. All of our shows are podcasted. Uh, after the fact, so um, you can hear them, yeah, then. But there you go. So share, 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 share a like on Facebook. We have uh, a Facebook page, which both of us have been kind of neglecting, and I apologize for that. But uh, it's uh, the Monday Night Kickoff Show, Kayak Fishing Radio uh, Facebook page. And once we reach, I forget what Alex said. I think he said 600 people. Once we reach 600 likes, he's going to give away a charter with him. So. Uh, you get a you get a kayak charter with Alex Gritsky. Um Yeah, once we reach that, that number of likes, so share it if you don't mind. Um, where else did I stop today? Oh, so uh, I stopped by and saw um, the fine folks over at Mount Bis Fish Mount Company. Uh, if any of you guys are out there in the market for a fish mount, fish uh, Mount Bis Fish Mount Company is owned by my friends the Densons. Uh, Troy and his wife Jen, who I believe are either have either welcomed their new child or are expecting their first child today or tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, needless to say, Troy and Jen were not at the shop when I got to stop by, but I was able to to chit chat with a couple of their employees and uh, had a had a great time talking to them. And they gave me the walkthrough again. And uh, you want to talk about? Another another success story in local business that has to do with this industry. Um, they they I remember when Troy was doing fish mounts out of Boldwater in Port Canaveral, like a bunch of years ago, like a while ago, and it was a small. I mean, they literally were in a cubicle, <laughs> you know, and. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, they were in a cubicle, and they shared they shared the office space with Derek Redwine from now Bloody Decks, but the original owner of Boldwater, and um, and his wife Corey. And so 
their success story from that to now they're they're a globally recognized fish mount company and i watch them fish mounts to be sent to dubai they have an order for over 200 fish mounts going to dubai so that's pretty awesome and uh you know our good friend um steve farrell you know mr paddleboarder extraordinaire himself uh i guess does some business with the uh with the benson so pretty cool pretty cool stuff and man to see some of those fish mounts though some of they were just incredible paint jobs are incredible things are doing with this with the with the fins and with the eyes and things like that, it was just like, wow, really kind of blew me away. Um, so get, if you get a chance, check them out. They've got a web page. It's Mount This. I believe it's Mount This Fish. What is it? Mount This Fish Company. Yeah. Randy English has a redfish mount from there. Yeah, he sure does. And I want one now, too. They have a – I don't know if you guys saw it on my Facebook page. Did you see it, Peppy? I posted a picture of a 27 or 28-inch redfish that's got a ghost image of RCI Optics logo on it, which is pretty sweet. I saw that. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I want one like that with the KBB Outfitters logo on it. So <laughs> that was, throwing yeah, it out cool. there, Troy. Just throwing it out there. You know, it would be cool to hang up in the shop and uh, and whatever. So, But other than that, we ran to a couple other local shops, just talking to shop owners and shop employees you know, things are going and what the trends are and who's done what and what's going on and, you know, all the fun stuff and, um, uh, yeah, didn't even throw a line today. I thought I was going to, but I didn't. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm bummed about it or not. I don't really think I'm that bummed about it. I think that I, I had such a good time today doing what I did, um, that it's okay that I didn't go wet a line, you know, without having a truck to be able to transport a kayak. I, I'm just, I, I don't know, man. I don't get that excited about standing on the bank and listening to tarpon fishing in a ditch and there's just too many mosquitoes for that, so... I never, I never heard from you. What was wrong with your? What finally was it that was wrong with your truck? I blew a hole in one of the valve covers. Oh! <laughs> oh, I didn't. Dang! I didn't hear that one. Yeah, I was driving. I was driving down the road going to work one morning, and uh, all of a sudden I, I hear, boom, and then, then the uh, RPMs dropped down to about, I don't know. 500 and uh i was able to limp at a whopping speed of about five miles an hour to the closest parking lot which just so happened to be a bank that i use so uh got out and uh let the folks know that hey my cars broke down i'm probably gonna be leaving it here please don't tell it <laughs> and uh oh, got it home and had a diagnosis that there may have just been some some uh, issues with uh, some sensors and some other things. Um, one of my buddies put a put a computer on it, and so TJ actually put a computer on it, and that's the alerts that it gave him. And so uh, after dropping the money into that to have those things replaced, which by the way TJ didn't charge me a nickel for the labor. Thank you so much for that. Cause you were a good American. Um, I come to find out that as he's digging a little bit deeper, he finds the hole in the side of one of the valve covers. So that's always that's always awesome. Um, so it's just, you know, parked here at the Levi residence. And uh, I don't know. I've got I to gotta do something. I need a truck or I need a, I don't know, might have to, may have to break down and put a 
toe hitch on a Ford Fusion. Ugh. Oh my God! But is yeah, it expensive? Whatever. I don't know about vehicles like that. I don't know how much it costs. That that is to put to put a tow hitch to on it. That? Uh, no, to oh, repair, to repair that. the truck. Yeah. Oh, dude. The, the, from from what I've what I've heard from everybody, they all told me the same thing. Let's go ahead and just get a new motor and drop a new motor in it. Oh because, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, because you're talking you're talking eight nine hundred dollars just for parts. And then the labor to rip the motor apart to put it all back together again will be probably another thousand or twelve hundred or maybe fifteen hundred bucks, if not more. So for that, you can go to the salvage yard and pick up a brand new motor. I mean, not a brand new motor, but pick up a motor from the salvage yard. You know. Yeah. So you know, off oh, less than that actually. So yeah, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, but for now, I might just duct tape the PA to the roof of the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, make it work or whatever. No, it's cool. Um, oh, so we got this little cool down coming, right? And uh, one of the species that has been starting to, has been starting to rear their ugly face. Well, now depending upon what you consider to be ugly, one of the species that's starting to rear their ugly face is the flounder. Peppy. I don't know about you, but I I love to eat flounder. Flounder to me are one of my favorite inshore species to eat. And unfortunately for the almighty flounder, they do not get a pardon on any vessel that I'm on. If I catch one that's 14 inches, legal size is 12, right? <clears throat> I think you're allowed, yeah, you're allowed 10, uh, legal size is 12 inches, but there's not much on a 12-inch fish. 14 or bigger, if they're thick, they all die. Hmm. Do you like flounder? Oh, yeah, definitely. The best eating fish there is. I haven't, the truth, I haven't caught one in a couple of years. It's been a couple of years. Um, yeah. Well, but, yeah. Uh, what we may have to do, I'd love to do it in the kayak, but what we may have to do one day is just do a morning session with the Hughes and uh, go chop in in Port Canaveral, go net some bait, and go do work. Alex went, Alex Gritsky went just the other day, and uh, he wasn't really even trying. He was fishing right by the boat ramp, and he caught five fish, five flounder, and then moved to another spot and got a nice one, like a pretty decent one. He said the five that were by the by the ramp were kind of small, but those were probably gulf flounder. Um, so with that being said, folks, flounder. We have two different – actually, three different species of flounder that call East Central Florida home. We have uh, the gulf flounder or three-spot flounder. Easily identifiable by their three spots on the on their back, uh, kind of in a triangular type shape. Uh, those fish typically only grow to be about 15, 16, 15 to 16 inches long, um, and weighing probably two pounds at most, two to two to four pounds at most. Um, yeah. Then we have the southern flounder. And uh, the summer flounder is basically the fluke um, of the south. And the the southern flounder will grow to over 20 inches and can weigh over 10 pounds. 
and then you've got the winter flounder, and the winter flounder is the big manajama. Um, they can grow to uh, well over 20 inches and pushing 15 pounds. So where would you go find said ginormous flounder? Well, let me tell you. Port Canaveral and Sebastian Inlet, for us here that are locally, are the two best places uh, that I have found to catch big doormats. Uh, I hear I hear tale of big doormats being caught up towards ponds from time to time. You over it? <laughs> yep. Big doormats being sorry, I was talking to Jeff. Um, being caught from time to time, and uh, you know the answer is the answer in how to eliminate the small ones and just catch big ones is big bait. So when you do yep. flounder fish, Pep, what's your uh, what's your preferred method to do it, or is it is it for you? Is it more of a bycatch? It's it's always been more of a bycatch. I've really, to tell you the truth, I've really never targeted flounder to say I'm going out there and targeting flounder. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things. It's always been a bycatch for me. Um, just never been. You know, it's always it's just one of those fish that I've really have never really said I'm going to target this fish. Um, and usually I catch them when I'm fishing, um, usually looking for redfish, usually I'll find them. And where I used to catch a lot of them, I'll tell you right now, where I used to catch most of my flounders and big flounder, I'm telling you, these are flounders, I was catching 25-inch flounders, 24, 25-inch flounders, catching them down in Wabasso, down in that area, just south of Sebastian. And let me tell you. I knew exactly where they were hanging out, and I still know they're probably st- there's probably still flounder there in some of these spots. Every time I went to these spots, I knew if I I used, usually had some type of um, paddle tail, some type of paddle tail um, with a jig head on it, or uh, shrimp, um, and bounced it on the ground, on the, on the floor, on the bottom, there was a flounder that would hit it almost every single time. I mean, I have like four or five spots down south that I'm telling you, you bounce something on the ground there, they will hit it. <laughs> and I mean, and these are and these are doormats, Chuck. These things are yeah. huge. These things are big. <laughs> but they've always been. It's always been one of those things, just a bycatch for me. I knew they were there, and I would say, okay, I'm here in this spot. Let me see if I can catch a flounder. <laughs> sure enough. <laughs> but. But that's the way I've normally worked them. I've normally worked the bouncing stuff on the bottom, you know, just bouncing, bouncing artificial on the bottom. Guys in Sebastian, I've heard different stories from other guys in Sebastian, the way they do it and stuff, you know, the way they they do their stuff. Um, some of those guys in Sebastian are like experts at that stuff, the way they do it. They just strictly go out there during flounder season and, and sit there for hours on these rocks and on, on the jetty there and just, you know, they have certain holes some of them have certain holes that they fish those holes exclusively, and they're always pulling flounders out of those 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 rocks that they have there. Um, but I don't know if you've heard the same thing as me. I've heard the last couple of years the flounder hasn't been so so hot in Sebastian Inlet like it has been in the past. I don't know why that's why it's caused or what's made it do that. Um, but I, that's what I've heard. I've heard the flounder wasn't so hot the last couple of years there. Yeah, um, what's interesting, 
uh, about water fishing down there for sure is uh, um, there's a guy. I don't know. If he's, I don't even know if he's even still alive. It's horrible to say it, but he's an old timer. I used to go down to Sebastian with all the time growing up, and uh, when I was in high school and stuff, I used to always ride down there. And there's this old cat who used to sit on a rock. as what he's saying. He knew exactly where the rocks ended and the sand began. And he would throw a, a, a giant, like, eight-inch finger mullet <laughs> with, like, <laughs> with, like, an ounce egg sinker on it, ounce or two-ounce egg sinker on it to get it to hit the bottom. Short little leader, maybe about uh, six to 12 inches max. And they called this dude the Flounder King. His, his nickname was the Flounder King. In fact, he had a, a gold medallion around his neck that was a flounder with a crown on its head. Somebody had it custom made for him. And uh, this, this is not even a story. This is, I mean, this is like straight legit. So this dude, uh, I'd sit there and watch him, and he would pull doormat after doormat after doormat after doormat out of the spot. And he, and he wouldn't leave the spot until the tide turned. When the tide turned, he'd pack his stuff up, and he'd leave. And you can slide in, and you can uh, you could throw in there the same way. You could sit there, and you can cast right in the same spot, do the same thing he was doing, and the fish were gone. It wasn't that he <laughs> caught them all. It's just that he knew when that tide shifted, those fish moved out of there. And you look over, and he's packing his car up, and he gets in his car, and he drives off. He just goes home. And he's done. He fished that one tide, which was usually – the incoming tide, and uh, he was done. It was crazy. I go down there for days, weeks, and days on end, and catch a couple, a few nice flounder, but mostly small fish, uh, using regular size finger mullet. You know, anywhere from like three to you know five inches or so. And this guy's down there just crushing it. So the other spot that I've had really good success with crushing really big flounder is the, the Port Canaveral buoy line. Okay. Get out there, uh, out along the buoy line and bring live finger mullet with you or really big shrimp, which folks, if you've been to a bait shop anytime in the last couple of weeks, you'll know that the shrimp right now are still kind of on the smaller side. Um, as the as the water starts to cool, we'll start seeing more more and more of the bigger shrimp showing up. So once these once the true hand picks and true mediums start showing up, you get yourself a bucket full of them. You don't even have to worry about mullet. Get yourself a bucket full of these big shrimp. Grab yourself a couple of uh, white jig heads. Seem to be seem to be what works best for me. White jig heads, and depending upon the depth of water you're going to be fishing. I would vary the weight of those jig heads. So, for instance, if I was going to go try and somewhat sight fish them in the lagoon, you know, uh, I'm looking at the bottom contour. I can pretty much watch the shrimp bounce up along the bottom. As the, you know, when the water's cool in the lagoon, it clears up real, real, real clear. Um, I've seen plenty of flounder cruising across uh, from one spot to another pop up out of a uh, out of a sand hole or pop up out of a uh, an edge of a flat or whatever and start swimming across the flat. I've seen tons of them do it. Um, most of the time when they do that, you, 
it's almost like catching big trout. So you're pretty much done. But uh, what I would do is uh, my favorite way to do it is those jig heads, big shrimp, North Jetty of Port Canaveral, or the uh, the buoy line, and just literally, like Pepe says, just bounce the bottom. The, the key to catching flounder, the, the most important thing about fishing for flounder, is understanding that you have to be very, very patient. You know, it's not a fish that you can go out and you feel the thud, you're going to rip his face off and put him in a boat. It doesn't happen that way. Sometimes you might get lucky and you, the hook may find its home, but most of the time, just because of the way they're, they're designed, the face being on the, I mean, their mouth being on the side of their head and uh, opens, you know, the way it does, trap door style open uh, hinge type thing. Now, I don't know how many of you guys have ever taken one of those big doormats you've caught and actually stretch their mouth open, how big it gets. But those fish Peppy's talking about, 24, 25-inch fish, you open up the mouth on a fish that's 24, 25 inches long, long, and it is as big as a redfish's mouth of the same length. It's not bigger. And it's yep. freakish looking. It doesn't even look right. <laughs> so, but with that being said, since they're ambush feeders and they lay on the bottom all day long and they just sit there and wait for something to cruise by, if a bait presents itself and they have seconds to make a decision whether or not they're going to eat it or they're just going to let it go by, um, most of the time they'll, they'll slam it, they'll hit it. Now, if they hit it and it's, uh, it's dog-boned in their mouth, in other words, it's sitting crossways in their mouth, uh, you may have a problem setting the hook if the hook is in one of the portions of the bait that's not in his mouth per se. Follow me. So uh, what I do is a trick that my grandfather and my dad taught me when I was little, and that's just count to 30. Count to 30. Just drop, drop the bait, hit the bottom, bounce it a couple times, boom, feel that hit, start to count to 30. Open up the bale. Take it easy, Mike Welsh. He's got a dip. Thanks for being in the chat room, brother. Anyway, See you. open open up the uh, the bale. Give him a little bit of line. Keep your fingers on that line and wait for that telltale second and third bump. It's coming. I guarantee you it's coming. And so you'll feel that tap, tap. You feel one solid thump. That's the original. That's the, that's the initial strike. And then normally you feel tap, tap right afterwards, or a series of that, and then really slowly lift the rod tip, right? As you lift that rod tip, if the rod tip starts to kind of bounce real slow, kind of pulling down, kind of like a real slow tugging, then uh, what's happening is you're lifting his face off the bottom of the, of the ocean floor, off the bottom of the lagoon. So... He wants to lay back down flat. That's his, that's his body waving on the, right above the bottom, trying to get flat again on the bottom. If he doesn't spit that bait when you do that, part his eyeballs. You know, I mean, literally set the hook as hard as you possibly can. Um, now, here's the key. Keeping them in the water until you're ready to land them. Sure. Flounders. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
a flounder is not the, not the fish that you want to yoke out of the water and try and flip into the kayak or flip into the boat. I'm sure you've had experience with that. I bet. I don't even like to think about one of my experiences on that. <laughs> <laughs> I told you about it. Like, I think you know. In the classic. Yeah, tell us about in it. In the classic in Jacksonville. 20, like I caught an easily 23, 25, 24, 25-inch flounder that would have won me a kayak and went to reach for the net, and I had him next to the boat, and I lost him. But whatever. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> All right. That's enough of that. So it's a sore subject. But, no, it happens. It happens to the best of us. And, uh, you know, um, I tell this story quite often at the shop to people who ask about flounder fishing. I – this is going to sound kind of funny. I knew my wife was a keeper when I took her flounder fishing with me out to Port Canaveral. And I showed her kind of what I was going to, well, yeah, how we're going to do this and how we go about doing it. And she proceeded to catch flounder like it was no one's business. And the one thing that I do if I'm fishing from a pier, if I'm fishing from a pier and I've got, say, 20 feet down to the water, which most piers have, at least that, what I do is I get one of those big, wide hoop nets that you see guys using, like down at Sebastian and stuff, and I drop that net over the side of the pier, right where all my gear is set up, so like your little spot on the pier. I drop it over the side, and I tie that rope off to the railing to where that net is only sitting maybe about 8 inches to 12 inches below the surface. The reason why I do this is because typically I only fish one side of the pier. So I'll fish, let's just say, for Port Canaveral as an example, the rocky side of the pier. Everyone should be familiar with that who goes to Port Canaveral. So you're up on top of the jetty, the, the actual pier jetty. The rock area, that's just to the south, if you're looking south, in between the rock and the jetty. Well, most folks don't typically fish it, you know, because they don't think there's anything there. It was cast out towards the center of the channel where it's nothing but sand um, until they listen to the show, and now they steal all my ideas. So, <laughs> um, so anyhow, the reason why I do that is because when I hook my fish, the last thing I want to have to think about is how am I going to get my net down to them? I don't want to waste any time when I have a a beautiful, delicious flounder on the other end of my rod. I don't want to think, I don't want to have to think about how am I going to land him? So you hook him. If you just let him chill and don't, don't work him too fast. If you just kind of let them chill, they'll just kind of float to the surface with you. Sometimes they dip a little bit and then they come back up again but for the most part, they're, they're somewhat calm underwater until you bring them to the surface. Once they're at the surface, if you literally pop their nose out of the water, you have a 95% chance of losing them. <laughs> it doesn't matter if the, if the jig head has parted their eyeballs or it doesn't matter if a jig head is out of their eyeballs. Like, I've watched them literally hooked through the skull between the eyes and watch them flop off. So you, you, you just take your, take your time and walk that fish right over to the net, leading the fish with the rod tip, 
right to the net. Once he's hovering right above the net, you take your other arm and reach down and pull that net up. Again, it's only 8 to 12 inches, so it's nothing to lift up out of the water, and you've caught your fish. You will lose virtually none of, of your fish. I've even, I've even landed fish in the net that weren't even hooked, fish that had the mullet dog bone but wouldn't let it go. You know, pull them up out of the water and they spit the mullet right away. The hook's not even in their face because the, sometimes by that time the hook's doubled around and caught it, caught back into the mullet or whatever. So now, obviously, this is a kayak fishing radio show. We're not using giant hoop nets for landing flounder. So the next best thing is, as Peppy said, uh, landing nets. <clears throat> if I'm flounder fishing and I'm in a kayak, my landing net stays on my lap. I don't put it behind me. I don't stuff it underneath a bungee cord. It's not up in the front hatch. It's sitting in my lap because that, to me, is the most important part of this whole process. I watched the guys from Virginia Beach, and some of those dudes like uh, Kayak Kevin and, and Rob Choi and some of those dudes, they can, uh, they can do the leg sweep and bring their flounder into their boat, and it works. They figured it out. Listen, I'm, I'm not karate kid, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not too, uh, I'm not too sure if I could put my foot on the outside edge of a pro angler and flip a fish in the boat. So for me, the uh, landing net is the next best thing. Um, terminal tackle for flounder, uh, pretty simple, honestly. Line-to-line connections if you can. If you, if you can't, if you're going to use a jig head, I should say, line-to-line connections, right? Debbie, what, do you, yeah. what would you typically use, just your normal redfish-type weighted jig head, so 16-ounce, uh, 8-ounce, maybe even up to a quarter ounce? Yep, that's exactly what I'm using. Yep. So, so yeah, you have that. It's and pretty then, simple. Yeah. And then you just bounce the bottom. So whether you're throwing a plastic, and, and by the way, shad tails, jerk baits, curly tails, it doesn't matter. If, if your bait makes contact with the bottom and bounces in front of a fish's face, there's a good possibility the flounder's going to hit it. Randy English had a nice flounder last year uh, over in the lagoon. Um, I remember seeing that one. But, you know, that's the thing. It's, it's just a matter of getting out there, <clears throat> putting in some time, understanding where these things like to lay, where they like to hang out. They're, they, are, they are an ambush feeder. They, they, they're not a cruising around looking for a meal type of thing. So, you know, areas they like to sit, if it were me, I'd be looking, in, if I'm fishing an intercoastal, I'd be looking for areas maybe with a rocky drop-off, hard shell bottom, pretty close to deep water, or right at the edge of a flat, somewhere where bait fish may come off and uh, uh, may come off and, and you know slide along right along the bottom there, you know right along the the edge of a trough. Yep. Um, I've caught a lot of flounder really really close to uh, islands, like the actual shorelines, um, sitting in that first trough, like right off right off the edge of an island. Uh, Usually your bigger fish are going to come uh, on bigger baits. I mean, it's, it's kind of the general rule of thumb, I think, with anything. You know, then again, elephants eat peanuts. So I have caught some giant flounder out at Port Canaveral on medium-sized shrimp. Olympic shrimp, small shrimp, little tiny mud minnows. Um, 
one of my favorite ways to I used to fish for flounder up north was uh, was using what we used to call a killie, which is basically a mud minnow down here, and a strip of squid. And what you do, uh, the hooks we were using were much different than the hooks we used down here. The hooks we used up there were, were crazy long shank hooks. Like these things that were like six inches long. The shank of the hook was like six, in, six inches long. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and the gap may only be equivalent to that of a standard, I'd say, one or one oh. Uh, like a live bait kind of hook, or like a bait keeper style hook, um, and those hooks were typically snelled. Uh, and the reason why we used those hooks is because typically, when you're flounder fishing, you don't care if the flounder swallows the hook because you're going to kill them, right? It's not. Exactly. A, it's not a. Yep. Yeah, it's not a species you're going to go out and target just to turn loose. What do you say? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, we get out there and um, we take our killie or our mud minnow and we would hook them in the mouth and out the gill. So you insert the hook into his mouth and literally pull it out the bottom of his gill. Now, it doesn't kill him, right? And he's free to slide up and down that hook shank a little bit. And then you take a, a piece of squid and cut a pennant out of it, you know, a little pennant-shaped uh, piece of squid, maybe two, maybe three inches long. And uh, you then hook the, that onto the hook. The reason for the pennant of squid, twofold. You got the bait fish that's down there. He's hooked through the mouth and out of the gill so he stays alive, right? And... Uh, He's down there fluttering around, whatever, whatever. If he flutters around enough, he's eventually going to work that hook out of his out of his gill and out of his mouth and swim off. So the the squid acts as a protector or as a barrier to not allow for that to happen. Um, and then uh, also, when that little mudman is down there and he's doing this thing, um, he's kicking around and getting crazy. He's he's like beating that little piece of squid all over the place. It's just down there fluttering, right? It's white, pearl white, piece of squid, fluttering around, making all kinds of racket down there. It, it just attracts them. It brings them right to it. Well, up north, you drift for flounder. Okay, so you get out there and you find an edge, you find a, a trough or whatever, you find a, you know, around a bridge or whatever, and you would dr- make a drift on a tide, drift out, run back up, almost like fishing Sebastian and drift back through, drift back through, drift back through, whatever. We use bank sinkers, three-way swivels, all that kind of crap. Um, down here, much, much easier. Um, the intercoastal spoil islands sometimes will hold them. Um, the, the Mosquito Lagoon spoil islands will hold them from time to time. Um, the area just outside of the Port Canaveral locks will hold them. And you can target them with plastics. You can target them with, again, white plastics because they stand out. It's something that, uh, that, you know, it's easy for them to see. I've caught more flounder on white-colored stuff than anything else that I can think of. So, uh, you know, I definitely check that out and, and, and consider white 
for your plastics of choice for flounder fishing, or at least your jig head color. But uh, and as the water temperature starts to drop and starts to cool, it's only going to get better. The 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 main theory, as Pepe was saying earlier, the main theory with the flounder run is when we get the first two or three good cold snaps to kind of really cool things off, it gets them moving. And it gets them moving inside, right? The flounder are coming in off, uh, from, from offshore. They're coming into the inlets and they're getting ready to do their thing. So um, when that first couple of cold fronts hits and cools everything down, it doesn't have to get cold. It just needs to get cool. Um, that water temperature will dip a degree or two, and that can trigger it. But for whatever reason, I don't know if you guys have been watching on social media, but for whatever reason, uh, flounder are already starting to show up in Sebastian, in Port Canaveral, up in Ponce. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of really good catches, uh, a bunch of guys limiting out. I know the guys up in Jacksonville are starting to find their fish already as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, man, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's a great time to, uh, to get out there and maybe try to fish for a species that you might not typically go looking for. You know, flounder. What say you, Peppy? Yeah, I'll do it. I mean, I'll go out there and and uh, target them. I mean, I've never really targeted them per se. You know that I go out there just for that. Um, but I would actually do it. And I know I know some of the. There's actually one of the one of those guys that we're talking about that is one of those experts that's known. Sebastian Inlet, like he, this guy is another one of those guys. He is a god for uh, flounder fishing. He works with me. And this guy knows when to go. He knows the weather. He knows everything about, I mean, this this is where I get this whole stuff from Sebastian Inlet with this guy fishing because this guy is like a god out there. And... Hmm. And that's what he does. That's all he does. That's the only thing he does, Chuck, is catch flounders. That is it. And he's got one rock or two rocks that he's got that he goes to, and he stands on those rocks, and, and he works the tide. He knows exactly what time to do it, and that's it, you know. But, but he's a god doing it. He, he, you know, that's all he does. Well, you know. I, I actually do somewhere in my collection of stuff. I do have a uh, a gold charm that my wife bought me uh, of a flounder, and uh, you know, flounder hold a very near and dear special place to me because that's the first saltwater fish that I was taught how to target. And uh, every time I go flounder fishing, it reminds me of fishing with my grandfather and my dad, and. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a very special time of year for me. Um, I'll, I'll I will blow past tailing redfish to, if I know there's there's flounder to be had around the corner. Like, I go flounder fishing, man. I'm on a mission. There's you can usually tell if you ever see me out there and I'm and I'm targeting flounder. You can usually tell because I'm I'm not paying attention to nothing else. I'm jigging a lot, bouncing a lot, but fishing real slow. Um, Alex, I think is on the line. Alex, you there? Yeah, Alex. I'm here. Yeah, I got you. Cool. Alex is uh is of, is of course uh from Local Line Charters. He's one of the residential experts on all things inshore and offshore fishing here on the Space Coast. And uh you know, it's flounder time, dude. It's getting to be that time. What, what say you? 
Yeah, I've been uh, I've been sitting on hold here, frothing, waiting to get on the phone or uh, on the air because it's uh, by far one of my favorite fish to target, and also one of the few one of the few fish that I call a kitchen pass fish, aka the aka the wifey doesn't care what it takes to get them, I go get them. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, she uh, she enjoys eating the flounder, as everybody else does. I actually just had some last night fried up that was uh, from the other day when I was out looking around for them. So it's an, it's an excellent fishery, and, and you pretty much hit all the points dead on um, with the areas. And, and uh, you know, it's a neat fish to target. And, uh, you know, even especially with what you were saying about the stuff you did up north, you know, that's one thing that I always look at. You know, anytime I pick up a fishing magazine that might have an article about fluke up north or anything like that, kind of see what they're doing and see how it can how it can come into our fishery too. You know, change things up and try different things. So, dude, I want so badly to go out to jetties in Port Canaveral and set up on a drift and run an old school. What I would call the old school fluke rig, which is a bank sinker, about an ounce bank about an ounce or ounce and a half bank sinker, uh, three-way swivel, and uh, a, a mud minnow slash finger mullet and a strip of squid, and just drift along and bounce the bottom and see what the heck happens. You know, and, and things like that coming from other fisheries where they might actually encounter deeper water, like you'd find out there on the buoy line like you were talking about, another great area to find big fish. Um, you know, those edges of the shipping channel drop off from 20 foot, you know, in some areas down to 40 foot. And even though they're dredging right now, um, there's still fish going to be moving in and out. And, uh, and those edges are what they, you know, what they like. Um, one thing I do a lot of, and, it, and I especially do it if one, like the last time I went out when I got those little ones and then got a nice one, um, uh, I bucktail jig. You know, I don't feel necessarily like dealing with bait all the time. Believe me, I'm a bait fishing fool. Um, I'll be the first one to, to put a net on some bait. I think you guys know that. And uh, yep. and if 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 you didn't know it, Pat, you learned it pretty quick after I pogeyed everybody up and got us all a bunch of big red fish. <laughs> 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 but, uh, you know, I love, I love, I love bait fishing. You know, I'll be the first to say it. Uh, frankly, I love fishing, and what I enjoy about fishing is catching fish. Yeah, it's a great experience being outdoors, but I like fish. And I don't care if it takes me cutting my shirt into pieces and putting that on a hook. I'm going to catch the fish if it's there. You know, if it means i got to use bait because they're a little bit, you know, less uh, willing to eat, or maybe you have a concentration of them, and maybe you put down the bigger baits into that concentration, to weed out through the smaller fish to get to those larger fish. You know, I'm going to do what it takes. Um, the bucktail jig that I use typically is around an ounce um, and a fist style because that bounces off of the rocks and stuff like that. And um, it's great for the kayak fishing too. Uh, I do it a lot out of my skiff also with the trolling motor um, because it's a vertical jigging kind of motion. And uh, just like you're saying, you know, those flounders stay close to the bottom. So when I'm doing the bucktail, I literally just jig it straight up and down. And um, you put a little strip of, of anything on the back of it, anything. Jack Crevel, uh, mullet are great. You can cast net a couple big mullet the day or two before. Keep them in the freezer. When you go to do it, cut a couple strips. 
the best thing is the white side of a flounder. If you get one the day before, make some strips out of the white side. Strips in general, just like you were saying, you know, Chuck, you were saying about the squid. Strips in general, meat, fish strips. You know, there's a lot of guys that fish them commercially, and that's what they do. They either do that or they do a little pink shrimp imitation or a a small bait fish paddle tail like Peppy was saying, and that's what, you know, gets the quick turnover of fish. But, um, you know, the... the, I'll tell you, I'll tell you... I'll tell you real quick. I'll tell you another fish that is, especially up north, is renowned for flounder bait. And down here, everyone catches it and calls it 1,700 different names. Sea robin. Up north, we're flounder fishing. And if you're you're not catching sea robins, you're not in the right spot up north. And uh, we would take a – we had a little billy club on the boat. I never forget this because it was always funny. Uh, in kind of a morbid kind of a way. Uh, we'd take a billy club and bash the thing on the head and be like, we hit it with a billy club and it's done. And uh, we cut its belly meat out and use the belly strips right there on the boat or we'd keep a couple, cut the belly strips, salt them, put them in a bag and freeze them for the next time we're going to go out. And, uh, yeah, absolutely, dude. Uh, any kind of meat strips or whatever, but for whatever reason, flounder flounder bellies and uh, and and uh, sea robin bellies have always been kind of my go-to's if, if they're ever available. Yeah, the uh, you know the 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 point too of something like a bucktail or even like a just a jig head with a, a paddle tail that's heavy enough to bump that bottom is to come across your concentrations of fish. You know, you weed out sitting there slowly working a nice live bait through unproductive water. Because if you pass through a section of water and bump, 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 you get a couple good hits, maybe miss them. You maybe hook a good fish and catch it or possibly hook a small, get a couple small fish. You know there's fish in the area. And if you have your live baits, you can switch up, get your live bait out and, and have a fish finder rig like you were talking about and, you know, go to work with, with a more appropriate bait and hopefully hook the, the better and bigger fish. Um, you know, they are masters, though, just like you said. They are masters at popping that hook out on the surface of the water. You never want to take a flounder's head out of water. Yeah, you got to – the most important job we used to say on the boat was put was the net guy. The guy with the net in his hands had the most important job because uh, – Man, I, I've I've watched some big, big fluke and big flounder um, head back for the bottom because of a missed net net shot and this, that, and the other. And you know, I lost my personal biggest flounder I've ever seen in my entire life down at Sebastian Inlet one day because I didn't have a, a net with me and I tried to yoke him up on the rocks and that didn't work out so well. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's one of the very few fish, honestly, that when I go fishing for them, uh, I I, I still get like the shakes like i still get kind of like the buck fever so to speak when i feel that thump and nothing's happening i I get real anxious man i mean i went fishing a couple nights ago with with chris flores we're out snook fishing and uh i threw a decent sized mullet out on a jig head i felt that thud lifted that rod tip felt the rod tip dance like i was talking about got a little overzealous and didn't give it as as much time as they probably should have and Ended up missing that fish, and I, 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 
hate that feeling of knowing that God, all I needed to do was be a little bit more patient and give it some time. Uh, that entailing redfish. Anytime I see a tail sticking out of the water, I don't care how many red, how many thousands of redfish you've caught in your life. And correct me if I'm wrong, Peppy and Alex, but um, anytime you see a tail waving at you, it's it's like <laughs> take a deep breath and 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 you know, okay, you talk to yourself and you tell yourself, okay, don't screw this up, right? Like. <laughs> he's facing he's facing west. I got to throw past him, or whatever the case may be, you know. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's, oh, yeah. it's a lot of fun, and it's definitely an overlooked fish too. The flounder, definitely an overlooked fish. And uh, yeah, it's, I've got some spots. I've got, let me, I've got a few. Yeah. No, let me ask you something about the flounder. I, you know, I haven't lived up here my whole life or anything like that. And I don't know, you know, I've only been fishing the lagoon and and Indian River and all that stuff for a few years, you know. Um, but in the years past, let me ask, did la, the lagoon, the Mosquito Lagoon hold a lot more flounder than it does right now? Because it doesn't seem like it has a whole lot right now. Did it have more in the in, in the past? Well, uh, I'll give you my interpretation. I think that the further north you go in the lagoon, the more fish you're going to find. And the reason why that is is just because of just because of uh, the geographical area. You're closer to ponds, so you've got tidal movement. You've got oyster bars. You've got structure that is is uh, very welcoming to flounder population. You have backwater bays. You've got estuaries. You've got you know a lot of things going for it that flounder really likes on the inshore inshore side. Um, the Indian River is one of those places where uh, the actual in River itself is one of those places where I've never been real successful except for down by Sebastian at targeting flounder or around Port Canaveral. Um, but like, say, Peacock's Pocket or uh, Dummett's or uh, Patilla or any of those areas, I've caught a few up, in, up and down that region over the years. I've caught a few, but I, I personally don't think I would spend much time looking for them there. I think I'd Try and find areas closer to boat channels, closer to drop-offs, closer to um, structure, things like that, uh, to find good concentrations of fish. And, and like I say, a fish is a fish. He's got gills. He's going to swim wherever he wants to. Those fish eventually, in the wintertime, will make their way down there to the south in the lagoon. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of guys that catch a lot of flounder down by Eddy Creek and catch a lot of flounder out by uh, Pelican Island and Whale's Tail and those areas there, you know, but... That's normally, I would say, late December, January, February, and then they're gone. Uh, they start making their way out, at, you know, around March time. I, I, this, I don't know if Alex, Alex, do you agree with me? Alex? Do this, Alex. Alex. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> uh, I've, never done, I've never done much down there in the, the south end of the lagoon. And the the north end is historically though up in the the tidal areas up there like you were saying up by Pont. I mean, there's guys that religiously are out there the entire uh, the entire fall push, um, and they're out there and they're they're gigging all night long. Um, there's a lot of commercial guys that make their living up there gigging flounder. Um, it's a great area to catch them any time of the year, um, especially you know that that fall migration is you know it's what everybody kind of sets their clock by. 
And, uh, you know, for the Lagoon, really, honestly, the only ones I've ever really seen with any consistency um, would be either up there in that north end or down towards uh, in the, the, the river side of Port Canaveral and basically the Banana River. I've seen some good ones in the no-motor zone before, um, also on the Spoil Islands. Just hanging out with my family, I've caught and seen some really nice ones out on the uh, Spoil Islands there in the Banana River, you know, north of 528. Um, and then, of course, the locks area and, and all those areas will get them as they're passing through. Um, I've caught some good ones and, and actually seen some really nice ones be caught out of uh, the Barge Canal, you know. And I'm sure they push through haul over at some point in time. But, you know, you'd think you, you, because of the amount of people that spend time putting bait on the bottom and haul over, you'd think that, a, you know, a few more would pop up on the radar. But, um, you know, anything can happen. They, you know, fish have fins, and there ain't no fences, so they can go, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, and I, I spent some time uh, two weeks in a row uh, about probably now, at least a year ago, um, up at Spruce Creek. And I don't know if either one of you guys have fished up there at Spruce Creek, but um, a, a very interesting area, a uh, spot I'd love to go back to and fish again, but with somebody that knows what the heck they're doing in that region because I don't want to get stuck high and dry on the tide flow. Um, but I, I caught one, two, three, four, I caught five flounder in Spruce Creek right by US-1, and they were all small fish, um, none of them worth keeping, and they were all on jigs but I would imagine that the area in there, because it is somewhat of a hard bottom and lots of oysters and lots of mangroves and lots of moving water, that those fish would get up in there pretty thick. Now, the Jacksonville fishery, uh, those guys up there pretty much have it made. Um, their flounder come in, they hang out, they stay for a while. Um, big fish, catching them on spinner baits and catching them on bucktails and catching them on plastics and everything else. Um, our boy Chris Sensi there uh, from Slayer Inc. Wars, he, he always shows off a, a few doormats during the winter time that he catches on his spinner baits or on his plastics. And, you know, it's, it's I don't know, man. It, to me, it's a fishery that's, again, often overlooked. Um, it's, not a, it's not a real glamorous species to, to target. I, I mean, table fare, obviously it is, but... Um, you know, it doesn't get as much attention as, say, redfish or big trout or snook or tarpon, um, which is good with me. I'm cool with that. Um, but, you know, it's definitely a, a species that I want to try and explore some other areas and really target. I mean, the motor zone is one of those places that me and you, Alex, have had that discussion a number of times where, man, I bet you if you went out there at night with a boat, with a kayak that was all rigged up with lights, I bet you you'd be able to gig the heck out of the no motor zone. Absolutely, you know, especially the Spoil Islands and stuff up there towards the north. Um, some of that uh, nice sandy edge where the uh, bars come down into the uh, the channel for the old uh, the old uh, AF hangar, my old building, uh, where the uh, recovery boost uh, recovery ships and boosters came in. You know, there's a lot of good bottom out there. It's one unfortunate thing about Port Canaveral is there's not a lot of shallow water to attempt to gig. Um, and, and I don't know if you've ever done that gigging, but I'll tell you what, for anybody listening, it is some of the funnest time you will ever have. Um, 
seeing those flounder lay on the bottom and then trying to stab them with <laughs> with a pitchfork basically is, uh, is about as fun as it gets. Yeah, I've never I've never gigged, but I'll tell you what. Um, I was up in Amelia Island one year for a family vacation, and there were several airboats up there that were doing nighttime gigging trips. And uh, same thing up in uh, Charles, the Charleston area in Savannah area. There were lots of folks that were doing the chartering, you know, gigging, gigging style trips. And uh, yeah, it's definitely on my things to do list. I mean, I don't I don't see why we can't take the the good old PA seventeen when I get it and rig it up with some lights and go go explore and start trying to see if we can't gig gig a few. It, it would definitely be a, a sweet sound to hear one of them things flopping around on the deck of that PA seventeen. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind the blood stains either. But uh, cool. Well, we talked about flounder obviously quite a bit tonight. Um, the reason being, again, is uh, we've got our cool front starting to show up, which means that perhaps we're finally done with our summer doldrums and we're going to start to see somewhat of a cool down over the next couple of weeks and months. And uh, with that, the flounder fishery will just pick up in speed. Uh, Next week, I want to talk a little bit about um, the transition, uh, which we won't see for a little bit. Uh, All the mullet are still pouring in, so we're still going to have this mullet feed going on for a while. But I want people to start thinking about gearing up towards the transitional period where these redfish and trout and black drum and such start to kind of wean themselves off of the finfish diet or as Alex likes to say fatten themselves up for the winter and uh, you know start looking towards uh, that crustacean based diet that is so prevalent in the wintertime so uh, we'll talk about tips and techniques and how you can kind of capitalize on having the uh, the the fall mullet run which is still going on obviously and uh, you know, again, transitioning into when those mullet are no longer available, pinfish are gone, croakers are gone, pigfish are gone, all that stuff's all gone, and uh, we're focusing again back down on the small crustacean-based diet. So um, we'll talk about that. And then maybe I'd like to try and get uh, Damon from Coastal Angler Magazine on the show at some point there, Alex. Yeah, we're going to um, we're gonna see if we can't get that over the next uh, week or two. Um, we had a... Uh, we had a kind of heavy uh, deadline that came in hard on us today because of the uh, new print, actually, that we've uh, that Coastal Angler is putting out. I don't know if uh, if the listeners have had a chance to get to their local uh, local pickup spot for uh, their Coastal Angler magazine, but uh, all the editions throughout the whole run throughout the entire United States are actually on a, a much glossier, nicer cover, um, almost a magazine quality cover um and also all of the internals of the magazine are a lot crisper now um hopefully a lot less uh a lot less uh print issues in there too um unfortunately it uh it pressed our deadlines up on us and and uh, made all the writers and of course the editors uh go into crunch mode so he wasn't able to jump on tonight but we're going to definitely get him on here in the next uh next week or two for sure cool sounds good and uh as always, folks, we appreciate you listening in. Uh, if you have a pen handy at your computer or wherever you're sitting listening to the show, jot down this number, 714-816-4727, 714-816-4727. That's the number you guys can use to call into the show at any time, ask questions, uh, be part of the show, 
we always appreciate you, Alex, showing up and dropping the knowledge. And, uh, yeah, there you go. So um, it's always uh, – our, our our phone lines are always open for those who want to join us and, and talk and maybe shut me up for a while and <laughs> allow somebody else to get a word <laughs> in edgewise. Sorry about that, Pepe. I know sometimes I get a little long-winded, but uh, – hey, it's all right, man. It doesn't bother me, man. You're you're the expert in flounder fishing. I really, like I told you, it's a byproduct for me too. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, with that being said, Alex, dude, uh, someone wants to charter charter you for either kayaking or or skiff or mothership or just offshore. How do they get hold of you? Of course, you can always look me up at uh, locallinescharters.com on the internet. Um, I'm on Facebook. Alex Gorichki or Local Lines Guide Service. Um, you can also hit me at 321-480-3255 for any questions, any comments, anything you need help in or, or just want to talk to somebody about what's going on with the bite. I always got an open ear and always willing to talk to somebody about fishing. Um, of course, I got to thank you, Chuck, for putting out this great show and for the shop and everything you guys do for us at, at KBB Outfitters and then also, of course, Facts by Bo, you guys are great, great, and um, and you know you do so much for the uh, not just the community and helping out with um, you know hosting events and uh, being an open door and 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 allowing people an opportunity to come talk to somebody uh, and really learn something and and help get help uh, you know helped out and um, I know we were talking a little bit with Tom and there's some you know some big plans going down and and some uh, good ideas floating around for seminars and things of that nature. Um, oddly enough, on the flounder topic, um, I'm actually doing a seminar, uh, and that's on October 7th, uh, and it's going to be kayak fishing for flounder. Um, if you want to, go ahead and jump on my uh, Facebook page, Alex Gorichki, and um, I'll have uh, some info on that. And also it will be Local Lines Guide Service. Um, you gotta love them Slayer Inc. baits too. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Cool, cool man. I appreciate it, Alex. Thanks so much for the kind words, dude. We just do what we do because we love it. Um, Peppy. Yes, sir. You're uh, you're you're going to be gearing up, getting ready. You and Allen Island, uh, which, by the way, uh, I know he doesn't like to voice his issues or whatever, but just so he knows, we're all praying for him that he gets good news on his year checkup from his uh, cancer, prostate cancer. Oh, yeah. So uh, definitely praying for Alan there. But uh, you guys are getting ready to gear up and get ready to go out and hopefully bring home the hardware at the uh, Florida Pro here in Titusville, right? Yeah, man. Hopefully. Hopefully we will. Um, We're looking at the weather and stuff and seeing what the weather does. And I sort of was talking to Alan about certain different strategies depending on the wind, but it all depends because they've been calling for winds of like blowing out of the north at ten to uh, fifteen to twenty at one point on Saturday, and then it went down to five five miles per hour out of the east. So it really is too early in the game to tell. But um, we're going to go out and, and check some areas out this week and see what's going on, um, and and hopefully get on them on Saturday. You know, and uh, I already found out. I don't know if you saw. If you saw Facebook early on this morning, already um, Mr. Slayer Inc. Lures already had a dawn patrol 
picture up this morning <laughs> of his. So I know exactly where he was going this morning when I saw that picture. I go, oh boy, he's here. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to divulge the amount of uh, phone calls that I uh, fielded today oh. from Mr. Stency. Uh, yep. So, you're not, yeah. You're not kidding. He's, he's creeping yep. around down here. He's uh, looking to play a fair game. You know that, man. He's always about catching a fish. Yeah, he's creeping me, around. Yeah, unfortunately, yep. me and Chuck won't be able to do it. I'll be yet again on the grind doing a charter and making that money to feed the family. That's all right, man. We'll yeah. get at it. We'll, me and you will get after him at some point. We'll give a, we'll give him we'll give him one more year to prepare for us coming on. <laughs> uh, yeah. So no, hey, uh, Alex, Alex, no speedos this time. You can't use any of those speedos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, you're not allowed to soak giant chunks of pogies for the. Yeah. Of course, I don't think those are. Necessarily, I don't think those will necessarily weed out the twenty-six and a half inch slot redfish that we want, anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. You want well, a big luck, fish? Brother. Go soak one. But. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, good luck, brother man. I hope you guys do great and uh, represent represent Sea Deck well, and uh, I'm sure you guys do just fine. It's a pretty pretty strong team yeah. you got there. Yeah. Good. Thanks. Thank you, thank you. And don't worry, I'm gonna I'm gonna set up a uh, one of those um, what they call whale wars prop killers for uh, Tyler Vollmer. So don't worry, when he goes to leave the yeah. he goes to leave the launch, I'm gonna hurl crab pot buoys out in front of him with uh, with a stretch of cord. So prop Fowler. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, man. <laughs> Uh, go ahead and uh, do your thing, and let's get out of here and go watch some Monday Night Football. Yeah, man, let's do that. Um, let me. Uh, all right, let me start. Uh, let me uh, thank my sponsors here: um, Native Watercraft, uh, Powerpool, RCI Optics. Thank you very much. I love those glasses. Thank you, RCI Optics. Uh, Aquabound Paddles, Harry Goods Outdoors, Slayer Inc. Lures, best lures out there to me. And to Alex Garicci, right? And to Chuck. Um, That's right. Yeah, man. They are top-notch, man. Um, KBB Outfitters, Kayaks by Bull, Hook One, Yak Attack, Ram Mounts, Tailing Toe, Terrera, Steli Cigars. Thank you all very much for supporting me. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, run down my quick list here. Come out, I think, later on in the year. But yeah. uh, tackle webs, of course. Captain Mike Ortigo, um, Fishing Florida Radio fame. If you guys don't listen to Fishing Florida Radio, I suggest you do so. Uh, Saturday mornings from six to nine, locally you can hear them at uh, seven forty. The game. Uh, pick them up on iHeart Radio at seven forty. The game. From six to nine every Saturday morning, they have a, a, I mean a laundry list of amazing guests that are always on their show. Um, every now and again, I'm, we're lucky to pop in there and, and sit in with them. You know, we ought to do some time, Pep. We ought to go in there together and sit in there on a show uh, over in the studios over in Orlando. Um, yeah, it wouldn't fun. be a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll run that cool. by old Steve. 
we'll just invite ourselves. We'll just show up one morning and be like, hey, what's up? Show up. <laughs> you know, they're not going to they're not, they're not tell me no. They're not going to say, oh, well, you can't come uh, in. Not, not yeah, that right. time of the morning. I've got to hide weapons in my beard or something. But no, I'm kidding. Um, Captain Mike Ortigo, he's a great friend of mine, uh, like brother from another mother, just like the rest of you dudes. And, uh, you know, he makes a great product, man, family-owned and operated and uh, made here in the U.S. So check out his products. Um, Hobie kayaks, of course. Uh, mad, mad, mad support from those guys for the year to come, uh, allowing me to get my both of my boys out on the water. I'm really excited about that. Real adrenaline, real adrenaline energy drinks. You can tell I'm tired, man. I'm starting to stutter. Ego Nets, you know, Adventurous Custom Rods. Uh, Mr. Durwood Roberts building some of the finest quality custom rods I've ever fished. Uh, Power Pole, Slayer Ink Lures again, as uh, the other guy said. Hands down, my personal favorite lure to throw. Um, sending branches, cameras, and of course, Seed Up. So, to all of those sponsors, I definitely appreciate all the support you continue to show me, the show, the shop, everything that uh, I'm a part of, everything that we do. Um, to those who are listening, uh, if you caught the beginning of the show, we're planning a big tournament for uh, next year to help benefit uh, the United Mitochondrial Disease Foundation, which uh, my son is a victim of that disease. And, uh, you know, we got some pretty big names that stepped up and, uh, and have offered up some charters and some things like that. I mean, a couple of them, I'm going to go ahead and just say it, just, you know, because, uh, I'm just so super stoked on a couple of these right here because I'm personal fans of these guys. Um, let me find them real quick and just double check that I'm not mistaking. Maybe last night I was intoxicated and thought that it was, uh, <laughs> it was a lot. No I'm kidding. Uh, bear Holman. Yeah, the bear. So any of you guys that have ever watched any of the world angling videos, uh, Bear Holman has, has offered up a uh, a charter with him down there in the Keys. And then also, too, uh, Will Benson from down in Key West um, has also offered up a charter for this event. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy. I'm just going to say that. It's going to be crazy. Um Paul, uh, another another great guy down there. Um, gee, I know I'm going to mess up your last name. Uh, Nakfora? Oops. Don't hate me, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah. But Paul Nakfora down in the Everglades, he's going to offer up a trip. I mean, I've got I've got tons of trips from out of out of town. Uh, to, to give away for this thing. What we're going to do is uh, silent auction items. We're going to have silent auction items, and then we're also going to do big raffle. And we're still working on the details of the event. I haven't picked a date yet, but as soon as, uh, as soon as I do, you guys can all rest assured that I will be spamming all of your Facebook pages with this information, <laughs> as I have been known to do for boondoggles in the past. So, um, Boondoggle, don't forget to, also October, uh, second week of October, it's coming up. We're less than 30 days away from the Boondoggle out of Cars Park, um, Columbus Day weekend. Should be a great time to have by all. Uh, you know where you're going to be able to find us. The Space Coast Kayak Angling contingency will be back in Section D as in Delta for the most part. Uh, I'm sure Alex will be on the waterfront in his typical location, um, but I think he'll do most of his partying in the back with us. 
I want to thank uh, Yeti Coolers as well. Um, and uh, the guys from Yeti uh, have really stepped up. They've got me an event tent to use for the boondoggle, as well as a couple of the uh, Yeti tanks. So maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll load those things up with some man sodas and uh, have a good time. We'll see. Um, I'm also going to have, uh, looks like, the Skinny Water Culture crew will be hanging out at my booth along with the RCA Optics guys. So this should be a, it should be an interesting uh, boondoggle, to say the least. Uh, with that being said, everybody, have a great week. Uh, have a blessed and safe week. Take a kid fishing in the future of our sport. And, uh, yay, go kayaks by Bo and KBB Outfitters. Uh, putting it on you guys. Take it. There you go. <laughs> That's what's up. Oh, yeah, it's this bragging rights, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Peppy's like, God, dog it. All right, man. Yeah. You guys all have a great week, man. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. All right. Good night.